Welcome back to part two of my discussion with Cameron Scatting at Source Certain. On part two, we'll discuss supply chain issues, we'll talk a little bit more about why minerals matter to society, and we'll see what's going on at Source Certain if there's any updates that Cameron would like to tell us. So in a few sentences, or simply put, why do minerals matter in the world that we exist in right now? Wow. Yeah. Very, very easy question, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? So, I mean, there's obviously technical answers, but but let me let me say this. I think there's probably a misconception that the solution to all of our environmental and climate change and greenhouse gas and all of these things is probably less mining and less oil and gas and less, 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 right? There's probably, there is a misconception that, that that's actually what we need to do, right? That's actually not what we need to do, is it, right? What we actually have to do is we need to map out a cleaner energy future, right? We need to do stuff differently and we need to do stuff. I'm not going to say better because, you know, it's sort of judgmental of the past, but we need to do stuff for the future. And so I kind of look at look at it like this, right? If we want a cleaner energy future, we want a future which is which which, you know, these types of supply chains and all these businesses are just being better, right, with respect to the planet. Um, we're going to have to actually mine and manufacture our way there. Right, we actually have to mine different metals or do it differently. We then have to manufacture the things that we need to to deliver basically a different energy system, right? That that goes into the future. We also need to do it in a way that that drives a circular economy so that we're not just consuming. And so you know, as much as it's easy to default to let's not dig it out of the ground, the reality is, is we can't, right? We're going to have to do stuff. And I think the solution to lots of these problems um, is is going to be mining and manufacturing. And we're going to have to effectively mine and manufacture our way to a cleaner energy future. Try to apply some of those issues and topics that we were talking about previously to some contemporary challenges that are going on across the world. So are there any specific case studies that maybe you would like to talk about? <laughs> I know that there's there's not enough things going on in the world right now in supply chains, but are there any concerns that you would like to discuss in relation to transparency and supply chain security? So I think if, if COVID didn't test or, you know, amplify the consumer and, and I guess more generally the community's understanding about what a supply chain is and and how fragile they are uh, and how interconnected and we are with respect to other countries and and how there's a quite a complex system that enables us to to take products from from A to B that that gets us to where we are as a generally as a consuming society um, then I don't quite know what else we could do because it's it's right in everybody's line of sight and and you I think we're seeing the consequence of that now with lots and lots of general public conversations, not just about, you know, price rises with respect to general inflationary, you know, pressure with respect to oil and minerals and metals and commodities, but also, you know, probably what hurts more is is the general thing about food security and, and some of the impacts. So the Russian one um, brings right into, you know, I think line of sight, certainly things with respect to minerals, metals, but also diamonds as well. So here's where i think we are we have a non-consistent application of sanctions with respect to russia so you've got 
uh, El Rosa, which is, you know, one of the, the world's biggest extraction or extractors of diamonds, but also controls a really big percentage of the supply chain. So I think they, they account for 25 to 30% of the extracted diamonds and, and then, you know, obviously exert even more supply chain influence than that. Uh, they were listed directly in the sanctions. Uh, we've seen, you know, the, 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 the metals exchange with respect to nickel um, be thrown into absolute chaos. And you've got the, the LBMA nearly two weeks after the first sanctions being issued, uh, basically pulled the good delivery um, status with respect to gold coming out of Russian refineries, refiners. And so, but, but, it, but it hasn't been applied to other precious metals like palladium, for example, and platinum. So, you know, I, 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 given how close we are to the conflict in time, and I'm mindful of the fact that some of these conversations can last into the future, I, I feel like the, the whole minerals and metal sector from a transparency of supply chain perspective is at a, is at a bit of a crossroads because... You know, you've got one sector that's saying, no, no, supply is so important, we can't cut it off, which is palladium and platinum. And then you've got other sectors which are making these quite binary decisions around social license. And so I think there's some really, really big decisions to be made. Now, here's my take. Social license or the expectation of the consumer, whilst price and all of that is so important to them, some of the social license things are very binary. And so I ask this really simple question of stakeholders in the chain. I accept that the price or inflationary challenges associated with, with things like these precious metals like palladium uh, and the supply coming out of Russia is critical. But what do your actual customers and consumers expect? Do they actually expect or do they even know? Should they be being told that the catalytic converter in their car is actually being made by a company in Russia, which may well be owned by the Russian government. And so therefore, it is directly funding conflict. Now, I understand it's much more complicated than that in terms of the world, but that's not what consumers and customers are going to see. They're going to say, where has it come from? And what am I funding here? So with all of that challenge, I think comes immense opportunity for the sector, because there's been lots of talk about this stuff for a long time. And so this concept of ethical sourcing and the impact of ESG, uh, I think there's some, some you know, there's, there's been almost a momentum heading into these types of challenges whereby, you know, there's at least talk of wanting to do something. I think the conflicts that in, in, in Russia and the impact on supply chain, coupled with the fact that, you know, we've, we've seen an amplification with respect to knowledge around supply chains because of COVID, I think it presents the sector with an opportunity to say, it's actually quite clear to us now that transparency is non-negotiable. We have to find a way to do it. The big challenge for us as a sector is how do we do it without breaking the whole system? If it's broken, which I think we probably are getting quite close to it, how do we put it to get back together in a way that, that'll put us in a better position sort of going forward? And, and that brings us to things like supply chain resilience and, and how do you build more trusted, verifiable you know, traceable supply chains, which is obviously where we have a vested interest. Um, and so, you know, as much as, you know, I, I, I'm sort of being quite critical with respect to some of those decisions that have been made there. And I think I'm not sure you can be, you're either morally against funding the conflict or you're not. 
Um, I don't think you can have a bet each way. And, and, and like I said, I think it forces us into a pretty big juncture as a sector. Uh, and I can see, you know, in some of the narrative that's coming out of these big companies that they are wrestling with it. What they need to do is step back and think what the 10-year the view is because there could be some severe punishment here from brands with customers and consumers that take a much more, hey, this is a binary decision, not a grey one. You either are funding or you're not. And, and, and so I think, yeah, like I said, I think, I think we're at a really challenging juncture, but I think there's immense opportunity there as well. I think you have to look at it through that perspective, right? Because there's so many challenges but highlighting the opportunities given those challenges is really important to do. And, you know, any any decision in the supply chain requires like a surgical precision to know what you're doing in the short term and the long term. And so grappling, uh, whether you're the consumer or the producer or whatever part of the supply chain with those big questions is so critical. So and I don't think they're ever going to get easier, but it is the time to be answering them, right? It's certainly the time to be talking about them. Like I, I having worked in this sector as long as I have, I've seen plenty of examples where senior executives or 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 leaders inside organizations with big brands have just chosen to stick their kind of head in the sand and and basically write it out and and I think there's some business merit to some of those decisions because you know the the risk is low enough right I look at how connected we are as consumers uh, and I look at how readily information can flow you know, across the globe. And, and, you know, we're seeing that we're getting live video beaming into our homes from Ukraine every day, right? And so, so you sort of take that and you think, okay, it's not going to take very much for some for some of these things to come out. And so if you're one of these big brands, or, or one of these people, which have some of these big social license risks associated with these particular issues. And like I said, these mining companies are closer than ever to consumers. Uh, if you have these risks, you know, the hard bit is just saying, actually, we need to own it. If someone's going to turn the lights on here, we probably should be the ones doing it. And and that's what I'm encouraging people to do. And we want to help them do that. We don't want to break their business, right? We want to help them do that. Um, and there are ways. And firstly, it's just about owning them and saying, hey, you know, <laughs> these supply chains aren't perfect. But what we're going to do now is we're going to go and surgically um, and incrementally make sure they're okay. Yeah, we do have audiences in America and other countries that listen into this. So are there any specific issues that they should be tracking right now in this world of transparency and supply chain verification? Yeah, I think, and it obviously depends on where you are um, within the supply chain and, and the general ecosystem. Um, I, I think I think sort of the messages from me are, you know, provenance matters, like where this stuff comes from matters, just like how it's made matters. Uh, in terms of, you know, what are the things to, to be looking out for and, and where are we going? And I always like to try and provide a bit of a future cast with respect to where some of these trends are. And to some extent, the answer to that, or, or, or I guess the base for that actually comes from where we've come from. And, and it circles us back to the very start of our conversation. So you look at ESG, right, which is just a new version of CSR and triple bottom line and all of these things that we've done diff done previously, right? There are there's sort of these commitments that, you know, we're going to be better people and planet and we're just sort of changing the name of them. But, but if you think about ESG, the difference this time is that governments 
around the world have picked up the can with respect to climate change, right? Now, I don't really want to entertain kind of, I obviously have a view because I'm a scientist, but I don't want to even get into the rabbit hole that is the debate about climate change, but the governments have picked up the can, right? They've said, nope, enough is enough. We are going to act. And so, so if you couple the trend around these things with the fact that governments are acting, add to that, right, that, that government, like the EU, for example, their, their new um, supply chain rule was released two or three weeks ago, uh, which basically starts to layer up a whole heap of due diligence on various custom stakeholders within the chain. So, so the, the people up the chain from, from a customer relationship perspective, they're going to have to be looking backwards and saying, where's this stuff come from? How's it been made? And if we're going to you know, hit various targets or whatever the metric might be, you know, we need to be able to report against these things. And so you've got, you know, the trend plus the government. Now the government's obviously responding not just to the to the long-term policy need, but they're also responding to the community, which are also the consumers. And so so when you add all of these things together and then look at how quickly things have changed for minerals and metals in particular with respect to this, and then you say, okay, what's where are we going? Where are we headed? We are heading into a place where these these minerals and metals companies will also become supply chain businesses. They will they will become businesses that need to be a supply chain business. And there's going to be a level of sophistication inside these supply chain businesses, which I think will more look like ag and food and the like, right? And that's because there's just an absolute need um, for more transparency and 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 the regulator is the regulators are are there. They will always be a little behind kind of consumers or the public, you know, and that's why technology has a role, right? I mean, if you wait for the regulator, you're usually kind of behind the consumer trend. Technology provides, you know, how do we mediate this so-called transparency? How do we, how do we, how do we deliver on these things? And, and that's the opportunity for technology. And, and, you know, I'm excited about minerals and metals, one, because I've worked in it for so long there was never a high level of interest in proactive provenance-based verification or supply chain services. Now there is, um, and it's because of all these sort of big trends. And, and, and you know, the good thing is, is it's, it's, it's at a scale, you know, that, that can easily adopt a technology like ours. Well, thank you so much for having a conversation with us today. Really enjoyable discussion. Uh, looking forward to maybe future conversations, but thank you so much again for being here. Yeah, thanks so much, Thomas, and thanks to all your listeners.